0: Okay, so I'm both super excited, and I was really nervous about this whole first week because I sat here, and I've got kind of, you know, things kind of planned out for the series, but I was having uh, a really tough time coming up with the week one message. I I was just, it was challenging me, and I was struggling, and I was like, okay, God, um, how do we start this this, this series, Heaven Came Down? I know how I want to end it, but how are we going to? begin the, the series and uh, it really wasn't until Thursday night, Friday and then Saturday morning it really started to kind of all come together uh, and and kind of took shape through what I was studying and what I was kind of vibing and uh, so I hope listen I'm going to forewarn you that the the first part of it is some, some teaching. I'm gonna teach a little bit this morning. Um, and, uh, and so how many, how many know that, um, how many, how many would like to know Jesus's real name this morning? Right? Like how many, how many have ever thought his name is Jesus? Like, what do you mean his real name? You're going to learn. Um, it's, it's interesting, right? Because as I was diving into this, I was like, oh, all of this is so good. And, and it's, uh, and there, there, there's such good uh, lessons within even just the name of Jesus. So uh, how many would recognize this quote? What's in a name that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? William Shakespeare, right? Um, saying that when we look at a rose, we, we, we know what it smells like. We know that it's sweet. You can call it whatever you want. It still holds the same purpose, right? The, 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 the rose doesn't change because we call it anything else. The rose is still the rose, it still smells sweet, it still holds its value and its purpose and uh, and can I tell you that um, when we look at who Jesus is and when I challenge you with uh, just here's what i, I I'm going to preface this whole thing I'm not asking you to change what you call jesus okay I, I'm not like so when you hear me talk about it, but I, I want you to I want you to think along these lines of the power behind what he would have been called in his native language, right, in Hebrew. So the the scripture that we're going to sit on these next four weeks is Isaiah 9, uh, verse six. And it says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. So when you look at, and and the very last week, we're going to look at more of Isaiah 9 in in context, right? Because there's some context to the scripture. And when the uh, Jewish people, when the Israelites of the Old Testament, when they heard these words from Isaiah... They get really excited because they think, oh, a savior is coming, and he is going to set up a government that is going to rule and reign on earth, and we are going to get our power back. And this is what the Jewish people are thinking about their Messiah, their their, their savior. And and there's a lot of really great context in this, but you got to realize, first of all, and just a, a side note, it says, the government will rest on his shoulders. It never says an earthly government. It never says it's a government that he's going to rule and reign here. It says the government. He's coming to set up an eternal government that will rule and reign and and have purpose. And then they give these four names. And over the next two weeks, we're going to look at these four names that they give Jesus in Isaiah 9. But today, I want to look at the name of Jesus. Now... May say some controversial things this morning. Sorry, not really. Um, I, I'm, I'm here to challenge your thought process a little bit. But can I tell you that the name of Jesus isn't special? <laughs> I've already like, okay, you blasphemous little punk. Um, uh, listen, listen, I'm going to teach. I'm gonna, let me teach, okay? So it doesn't, it doesn't hold a lot of special value. Now listen, here, and, and this is where it's separated. What we believe and think and know of Jesus, our Savior, and the name Jesus are two different things. The name Jesus was a common name back then. This is, this is, this is the reality of, of Jesus. Um, now, they didn't actually use the word Jesus, um, but so when we read in the scripture where it says Jesus... Uh, you would read where then they would uh, clarify a lot of times, especially in the beginning of his time. Oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth, because they were pinpointing back to where he came from. Or Jesus, that's Mary and Joseph's son, because it was defining to whom that name and who that person was. There would have been a lot of other Jesus's. Um, so the the Aramaic name. Okay, so. Uh, Diving into a little bit of this, uh, the Jews of the first century would have spoken Hebrew within the uh, synagogue. There was a there was a holy language, uh, uh, Hebrew, and then there was a Hebrew Aramaic, which was more of their common language amongst themselves. They also all spoke Greek, which was the common language of the land. Okay, so it would be like it would be like somebody who was born in Mexico. Uh, moved to America at a young age, they, they speak um, uh, uh, English because it's the common language of the land, but at home, they speak Spanish, right, because that's the common language of their household. And so within the Jews, amongst each other, when they were hanging out together, they would speak this, this, this mix of Hebrew-Aramaic, right, or Aramaic-Hebrew, um, and then amongst the crowds with the Gentiles and the Romans and all that, they would speak Greek. And so you've got the Old Testament that is written in this Hebrew, and the New Testament, when it is penned, is written in Greek, okay? Is everybody tracking so far? Um, and so <laughs> some of you are like, I'm in America. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but So, so you got all of this stuff kind of moving and, and, and going on, and so the name that he would have been commonly referred to in the Aramaic was Yeshua, okay? Um, and so, so this name is, is super common. The name uh, Yeshua was the fifth most popular name in the first century of that, time, uh, of that region, fifth most popular, behind Lazarus, Simon, Joseph, Judas, and John, okay? Um, so so you, you kind of get... Here is the, the tracking that, that uh, Yeshua was a, a very common, very normal name during that time. It wasn't the name that, that is, is so powerful for us as much as it is the attributes and the character that makes Jesus valuable. The name... It, you know, it's, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the Bible, that the Bible is only as powerful as the application that we allow it into our life. For a lot of people, it's just a, another great historical book or a coffee holder, right? It, 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 to them, there's no power behind it. When, when I read the Bible and when somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus reads the Bible, we get two different things out of it because there is a power that is behind the application through the Holy Spirit in my life. So the name of Jesus... Or Yeshua would have been very common for them, but for us as believers, where the power comes into that name is because of the character and the nature of Jesus himself, how he lived and how he moved and how he walked this earth as both God and man. So it's, a, it, it's pretty crazy when, when you study this name. And I'm going to give you all some help and, and so y'all can see, okay? So uh, we have this breakdown. So how did we get the name Jesus, right? That we, it's written in all of our uh, Bibles. It's it's what we say. It's, it's, you know, Jesus, 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 okay? So we, we have Yehoshua, which would be the, the traditional Hebrew, right? Then you've got Yeshua, the Aramaic. Then you get to the Greek, Right? And so this is when they're writing the New Testament. They 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 start to change some things because of the way that their alphabet is written differently than the Hebrew and Aramaic alphabet. There are, there are things like the SH that the Greek didn't have. And so they listen, it's called transliteration. Okay. It's a big word for they it's how it sounds and how they can spell it in their alphabet. Okay? So it's, it's, it's like if you ever hear a word that you don't know how to spell and you, you, know, you try to sound it out, you're, you're thinking through this lens of, I know how certain things go together. And so if I put these letters together, it makes that sound. Well, that's what transliteration is. And so when they get to the Aramaic, Yeshua, they, they when they transliterate to Greek, it's the I-E-S-O-U-S, and that's where we start to get that, that sus found, uh, sound on Jesus, um, and it's uh, uh, I've, listen, I've studied this all week and still can't say some of these words correctly, but it's like elongated E is the IE, and then uh, sus, okay? So that's Greek. Now, there is a big gap that I didn't put on here between Greek and English. So, right? So what happens is, is when they, they, they write the New Testament in Greek, they get the Greek version of, uh, of, of Yeshua, what happens is then when they start to, to translate it into different languages, they start to transliterate the Greek. So um, somewhere along the line, they believe that German monks turned the I into a J because they... <laughs> listen, this is straight up the, the reasoning, because they thought it looked better. That's it. They thought it looked prettier, okay? So the I turned into a J, and then well, from, from the German... To French is where we got the S U S because they actually wrote it with like a C H and that's how they pronounced it. And so, uh, but the C H made a Z sound. Listen, languages confuse the heck out of me. So between Greek, you've got German, you've got uh, French, and and probably uh, one or two other things mixed in there. And we get to the Jesus English translation. So you kind of see, hopefully you kind of track in with me this, this name, this Hebrew name that has been changed throughout generation to generation so that every generation has a way of saying it. Now, globally, English is acknowledged, and so a lot of people would say Jesus, but in, in certain parts of the world, you probably would still get these uh these different formats of how to say him, even in uh, common like French and stuff like that. It's just like if you, if you are named uh, John in American uh, in the English language, right? When you go to Mexico, it's Juan. It's the same thing, same name, just different ways of pronouncing it and putting it together. And you may be thinking, why does this have anything to do with what I need to learn? First of all, I think it's really cool. Okay. To be able to say like, how, you know, how did we get to Jesus as Jesus is, is kind of a neat thing. Cause I mean, we've all, I've always listened, maybe I'm just the only young, dumb and, and whatever. And I'm, and young is, is starting to stretch it. Um, but, but I just always thought Jesus was Jesus. Like, you know, it's written in the Bible like that. So it's, his name is Jesus. That's what separated him because there's no other Jesus. And then you start to, like, realize, wait a minute, no, like, there's a lot of things that aren't told about that name and the purpose of that name. And so what is the purpose and the meaning and and the value behind that name? So here's the thing. All of these, go back to the the massive jumbly of of names, right? All of these names, Yehoshua, Yeshua, that Greek uh, version, and Jesus, okay, They're all a form of Joshua. Jesus' name would have been a form of Joshua. So if anybody ever asks you, what is Jesus' real name? It's Joshua. My wife looked at me yesterday when I was telling her this, and she goes, "Don't, don't get up there and lie to these people. It, it, listen uh, now. You know I'm sure there was variations of that name, but but if you look it up and you listen, I, I, hold me to it. But I promise you, I've done a lot of studying this week on these names. If you look up the book of Joshua, okay, you're going to get that that Hebrew variation, that very first one. When you look up Acts seven forty five, and it's talking about Joshua and how he defeated the the, the enemies. Uh, in the Old Testament, guess what name it uses? Jesus. Don't believe me. Anybody got a Bible with them? Anybody actually have like a a physical Bible? (laughs) All of you. Look up Acts 7.45 and tell me if it doesn't say, some of them will say Joshua, some of them will say Jesus. But when you look up the, uh, the Greek literature of it, it is the same word. Okay, it's super cool, um, because I was like, no, there's, there's no way that that's true. I'll see what my, my Bible says real quick here. Acts 745, uh, let's see. I know some of you are like, this, is, this isn't really all that interesting. I get it, but you're going to get there, okay? We're going to get there, I promise you. Um, so after receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua, mine says Joshua. In the NIV, it says Jesus. Um, in the King James, I believe, it also says Jesus. Uh, and, and so it's that same name. It's that same Yeshua, the Aramaic version, or Yeshua. Uh, you add that O U sound. So, Joshua the, is, is where we, is, is the end of the line, the beginning of the line, is the name that, that Jesus would have been named on earth. So, why does that mean anything to us? Because the meaning of Joshua, the meaning of, of the name Joshua is God saves. Uh, some 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 trans, uh, some translation will say that it, it's it's God is salvation, and so you look at like this this there's no coincidence um, in this that that through all of this we would get here and and the meaning of Jesus' real um, earthly name Joshua means God is salvation. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about some of these other names that, that they give to, to our Savior throughout the book of the Bible, Emmanuel, God with us, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. But here's the thing. Most of these were not necessarily names that they were, he was given, but more titles that he was given to be worn, titles to, to, to be championed by his attributes and his characteristic, characteristics that, that would forever change lives, and he would challenge his followers to live out as well. So, these, these titles, this wonderful counselor, this prince of peace, this mighty God, were these titles that he wore under the name that God tells Mary through an angel to name her son Yeshua. God is salvation. We get to the Christmas story, and, and, and we know how all of that goes, but, but the power in just could, could you imagine? Maybe they would have named him Joseph. Maybe they were going to name him one of those other four popular, because we all know how moms get when it comes to na- uh, naming their babies, right? We, when we named Isabella, there was no Isabellas, none. We knew none of them. Then they grew up like you know, corn just everywhere. Everybody's an Isabella, Okay. We knew nobody named Zion, and then we named Zion Zion, and we started to find out that there are not a lot of people named Zion, but there's a lot of famous people that like to name their kids Zion, because it's quirky and cool, but there's something about a name. And then there's the secondary name that we get to, Jesus Christ. Maybe you're, you're ignorant like me, and you thought that was just his last name. Okay, listen, hold on, listen, let's let's throw pride aside. How many thought at one point in their life that Christ was Jesus' last name? Okay? Thank you. Thank you for not making me feel dumb. Okay? Thank you, thank you. Okay? So, neat fact, surnames didn't come into existence until the 11th century. So, so... I've always wondered, why did we never know Jesus' last name? Why, why, you know, Mary and, and, and Joseph, they, they had to have something, but there were no surnames back in that day. You would have been like, Jesus, son of Joseph, or Jesus of Nazareth, right? So you would have been known by location, or you would have known by family, um, but there was no surname like, like Bodenhammer or Smith or anything like that, because um, those kind of came from... The 11th century, when uh, a, a baron uh, in, in uh, a royal family started to define people by what they did um, and their, their family, so family name and what they did. That's why, you know, a lot of uh, Bowden hammer would go back to some type of uh, blacksmithing or, you know, something like that, uh, and Bowdoin was actually a place, uh, and so you get these, these combinations of where you're from and what you do, um, a lot of smiths. Was because they were blacksmiths of some sort. They were they worked with their hands, and so uh, so just the interesting fact there was no surnames, and so Christ is not the the last name of Jesus. Um. So, what does that word Christ mean? So we know what Jesus means now, right? Yeshua, God is salvation, and then we get to the word the the word Christ, and that word Christ comes from a Greek word. Creo, okay? So that Greek word creo means to smear or rub with oil, to anoint, okay? It, it, it's the act of anointing. It's it's to literally take something and to, to anoint somebody with oil. How many have been in church services where somebody's been anointed with oil or or they talk about it or, you know, prayer gatherings, they have the oil bottle out and they shake it like it's you know, know, special, um, and then, you know, they rub, you know. So, and then there's a, I would love to do a whole nother series on anointing because it's really, really interesting. Um, So we get that word creo from, uh, to smear or rub oil. And then when you get the oil, when you are anointed with the oil, you are Cristo, Christ, Yeshua, God is salvation, the anointed one. Jesus Christ is a description of what his purpose was on earth. God is salvation, the anointed one. Um, The other word that we hear a lot is Messiah. And Messiah is just the Hebrew variation of Christo. It's Meshach, which is the same definition of Krio, which is the act of anointing, and uh, Masiach, which is the person who is anointed. So now the interesting aspect of this is that there are many Christos and many Mashiachs, Messiahs in Christ throughout the Bible. So when Aaron and his boys are anointed to become the first priest, they become the very first Mashiach, Messiah, anointed one. Every time that a king was blessed and anointed to to rule over Israel, they were a mashiach, an anointed one. And and then you get to, and and by the way, so the the three kind of uh, people that get anointed throughout the the Bible are priests, prophets, and kings, right? So to, to be anointed, it was a ritual where you had a special blend of oil. Bored onto your head, and the anointing marked a person or place as a portal between heaven and earth. And through these people, you get this image of this portal, okay? Through the the priest or through the king, you get the image of God's rule. Through the priest, you get the image of God's presence, and through uh, the prophets, you get an image of God's word and purpose as they're anointed to do God's will. Now, we know based off of Samuel and based off of that, that, that kings got anointed. We know that that uh, priest, or at least the high priest, got anointed. We know that there's at least one prophet that gets anointed. We don't know about that, that it's a, a common thing, but we know that, that some prophets did. But then you get to the Old, or the New Testament, and, and there really isn't much talked about the anointing as far as that goes, as a matter of fact, when you look it up, the, the most, most of the time when you get that word Christ, it is literally pointed back to Jesus, the anointed one. The only other time we really see it is in the book of James when it says that if you are sick to call the elders and have them pray and to anoint you. And so like I said, there's a whole other message that I won't uh, bunny trail into this morning about the anointing. But when you look at it in the New Testament, most of the times when when they're talking about the anointing and the anointed one, they're talking back to Jesus, Yeshua, Christo, God is salvation through the anointed one. And it's so vital and so important to understand these things as we enter this season. And I hope that for the rest of your life, it will challenge and change how you see um, his name and how you see what he has spoken. And listen, if you want to dive in a little bit about the anointed, um, I would encourage you to go uh, on podcast, go to the Bible Project. Uh, they have an amazing uh, four or five week series on the anointing uh, where a lot of this anointing stuff came from. Uh super, super amazing. Uh, I love the Bible project. Uh, so with that, here's the thing. I've got three thoughts, and the, the, the intro is really the setup for everything. This is gonna go by pretty quick as far as what I want to leave you with. But my first thought is simply this. We have to understand God's name or Jesus' name. And it, just, it wasn't just some cute things that we could put on T-shirts, books, banners, But there is a purpose behind Yeshua's name. God is salvation. From the moment before he was ever born, that God would use an angel to go and to speak to Mary and say, listen, whatever you had in your mind to name this child, you're going to name him this because his purpose is backed by his name. The anointed one, he comes to save. And what does he come to save? He comes to save us so that we can have relationship with God the Father. Because you got to remember, Adam and Eve, they ripped us apart from God, ripped us apart from paradise, ripped us apart from the purposes of having relationship with God. And here, God sends his only son. It was not by accident that he would send his only son to come and be born of a baby, to live as man, and to die a criminal's death so that we could have right relationship with God the Father again. He is the savior of the world, and he is the person who who is able to bring peace and comfort and purpose back into my life because of who he is as salvation. The name is a foreshadowing of his purpose because when God saves, he changes your identity. He shifts your purpose. He breathes life and plans for eternal perspective. I want you to hear that, and I want you to believe that this morning, that when, we, when Christ enters our life, he changes our identity, makes us to align with his purpose, to align with who he is as, as, as uh, God the Savior. He shifts our purpose of, of how we are to live and how we are to, to, to behave and how we are to uh, go about presenting Christ to the world, and he brings life into us. That's why I believe when we attach titles as names to our lives, it attaches the purposes of those to our lives. I can't tell you how vital it is to to me as as a pastor and as a follower that the things that we allow ourselves to be attached to, the, the, the habits, the characteristics that we attach our spirit to, There's a purpose behind it. And though we say, I follow Yeshua, the God of salvation, but then we attach ourselves to all these other things that look nothing like him. We speak in ways that that don't honor him. We, we, We live in ways that don't honor him. And we're caught somewhere in the middle. And it's, Once again, I, I want to, to breathe this with, there's no sense of perfection. Um, the Bible says we are to strive for perfection, but the only perfect one was Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is our example. It's who, who we live and strive to be like, but we also have a part to play to say, I'm not going to allow these things that, to attach themselves and their names to attach to me. I am not going to be XYZ. I may have struggles and I may have strongholds in my life, but I am not going to allow them to attach their name to me because the only name that needs to be attached is Yeshua. God is salvation. I struggle with, with that, with, with people saying, oh, I'm this. And I'm like, but do you want to be? I, I, and, and listen, y'all can call me wrong for this all day long. It's just how I feel. I, it's, I struggle with like addicts that go, I'm 30 years clean, but I'm still an alcoholic. Why are you attaching this, this name to yourself? You may have a struggle for the rest of your life, but that's not who you are. Oh, I've got anger issues, pastor. Okay, but as long as you call yourself angry, you will go back to that as plan A. You don't understand, Pastor Scott, I, I, have, I have a struggle, I, you know, I, I cuss a lot. Okay, but as long as you go back to that, as long as that is who you say you are, then you're going to go back to that because that is the title and the name that you have allowed yourself to be attached to and not Yeshua Christo, the God of salvation, the anointed one who is attached to my life. His name is not just something cute. It is something that I want to attach my life to. You can walk through struggles while carrying the mantle of his name. Gideon. Gideon was called, an angel showed up to Gideon and said, mighty warrior. And he was like, who the heck is in the room with me? Because that ain't me. Here's what I love about this story is Gideon then starts to describe who he is to the angel of the Lord. He says, no, 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 no. Our people are weak among all the other people that are around. And out of the 12 tribes, my tribe is the weakest. And out of my weak tribe, I'm the weakest. He has attached his name to something that holds no value and no purpose to make a difference in life. He has, he has allowed the enemy to define him as a weak and hurt and, 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 and purposeless person. And the angel of the Lord shows up and he says, no, if you will allow Yeshua to attach his name to you, you are a mighty warrior. Then you think he just went and go went, well, yeah, I mean, shoot, if God says I'm a mighty warrior, then let's go. No. Yes, to challenge God. Okay, God, if I'm a mighty warrior, then I'm gonna set the fleece out and we're gonna do this, this song and dance. And he does it twice. And then God God is a, can I tell you, God is a patient God. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for that. Because even, listen, even if we trust him, there's times along the way where God, can you show, can you show me? Can you show me that, that this is really your path? And, and all, like with Gideon, he just constantly, he, he does this. He does it with Abraham. Abraham makes so many mistakes. While before he is before he's Abraham, he's Abram. And he even gives his wife away twice, twice to a king. As if the first time he wouldn't learn, he does it again because he's scared. Peter, we all know how mouthy and irresponsible Peter was, and yet Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going to build my church on the foundations of your leadership, and we want it. We want a pastor that is strong in leadership. We want a pastor who doesn't say the wrong things. We want a pastor who doesn't make bad decisions, and Peter's our first example. Amen. Mouthy, crazy guy do so if you ever wonder why pastors get it wrong sometimes, listen, our example was Peter. Jesus said on him, we're going to build the foundation of the church. We were, we were destined for screw-ups from the beginning, but Jesus knew that. He was speaking into Peter, despite what you have t- labeled yourself, despite what you have attached yourself to. I'm telling you, when you attach yourself to the name of Jesus, this is who you will be. And so many of us sit either over here wanting to be attached to the name but not knowing how to move or we find ourselves in probably one of the worst places, caught in the middle of the two. Because though we so badly know what it feels like to be in the presence of our king, we refuse to let go of the things that want to continually give us titles. And though we may not like them, We know that they are comfortable because we know how to survive in them. The hardest part is trusting Yeshua Christo. God is salvation, the anointed one, and letting go of the things that have labeled you and named you in such an evil and ugly manner in your life. So, My second thought is this. Once we understand, and I'm not saying we're going to get there today. Some of you might. Some of you, it's a process. It is a process. Faith is a process. Second thing you have to understand is that his name is the name above all names. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. Though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Why? Therefore, because he lived that life, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declares that what? That Jesus Christ, Yeshua, Christo, is Lord. The God of salvation, the anointed one, is Lord. The glory of God the Father. Every tongue will declare that God saves through the anointed one, and he is, guess what? That word Lord in Greek means supreme in authority. So when you look at these Greek words and the power that they hold outside of the English language, when it says that every knee will bow and every tongue will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, what we are proclaiming is God is salvation through the anointed one, and he is supreme leader of my life. Oh, that's a big difference than just saying Jesus Christ is Lord. When we understand that meaning, Jesus is God of salvation, the anointed one, and he holds supreme leadership in my life. If he says no, it's no. If he says yes, it's yes. I don't have to agree. I don't have to like it. I don't even have to understand it at times. People ask me all the time, do you understand everything that God tells you to do? Heck no but I made a commitment to Jesus when I started to follow him as a, as a, as a disciple that I was, whatever you said, Jesus, I'm going to do. I don't even have to, I will beat a dead horse. Move to Camden? Listen, that's not on anybody's to-do list if you haven't lived here. and It's not a negative thing. It's just you don't know this place. Prior to my dad saying, we're moving to Camden, I didn't know Camden existed. Y'all were a, it, it, it's, it's like the, what is it, the Lorax, you know? Uh, not the Lorax, the, the, whatever, there's a Dr. Seuss movie about it, where they're living on a little flower. There we go. Okay, she's so excited. Um, Horton, here's a hue. Yeah. The community I didn't even know existed. And then Jesus says, hey. Are you willing to move to Camden, Arkansas? Huh? You tell me, God. I'll go. I'll go. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Do you trust me? Yes, I trust you, God. Why? Because you are the God of my salvation, the anointed one who has supreme leadership in my life. Psalm 62 Seven says, my victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. Earlier in Psalms, the the writer writes, where does my help come from? It's to understand that that this cute baby that comes in, in this manger scene is really the savior of the world, the anointed one who will have supreme authority in my life. And I will trust him. No matter where I go and no matter what I do, I will lean into his word and to his will. It is the life that Yeshua chose to live that elevated that name that the father gave him. We can praise that name. We can pray in that name. We can proclaim in that name. We can prophesy in that name and much more because not of the name itself, but the value that the name holds and the holiness and the righteousness of the Father. And lastly, when we understand what his name holds value, when we understand that it is the name above all other names, then our job, okay, the practical application to all of this, is that we are to live with the character of Yeshua in our life. Not just cute Jesus in a manger. Not American Jesus, blonde hair, blue eye, loves everybody, doesn't care how you live. I'm talking about the Savior of the world, Yeshua Cristo. God is salvation, the anointed one, Lord of my life, Savior and sovereign leader, that when I understand that, I will start to live the way that he wants me to. So we read Philippians 2, 6 through 11. I want to read Philippians 2, 5 for you. Because this preference is all of it. You, okay? Say me, or I—I I guess would be proper English. I, I. Must. must. There's no options there, right? I don't see a. You get to choose in there. You know, I don't see do not I don't. I don't see a. Well, on days that. That start with W, I get to. It says, you must. We must. What? What do we must do? Have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What? He's perfect. He's God. How can I live like that? Because when you stop giving yourself excuses, you will start to find his purpose. Ooh, curl them toes worry, all week I've had to curl my toes. So if I have to curl mine, you have to curl yours. When we stop giving excuses to why we attach our name to these other names that aren't lining up with Yeshua, we start to realize that the Bible calls us out a long time ago and says, you must live in the same attitude that Christ had, that you must determine that circumstances don't get to define you, that emotions don't get to define you. We're human. All of those play a factor in them, but I'm not going to give them excuses that I will not follow Jesus a proper way because of what I'm walking through. That's not faith. Faith says no matter what I'm walking through, I have a trust. I may not get it right all the time. I may not act right all the time. I may say something that I need to ask for forgiveness about, but I'm going to walk in the attitude of Jesus in my life. That word attitude means to exercise the mind, have a sentiment or opinion of, to be mentally disposed in a certain direction and set the affection on. What does that mean? That I'm going to guard my heart and mind and soul away from the things of the world, focused in on who Jesus is, and I'm going to point my affections towards Jesus, and I'm going to run in that way. What if everybody else says otherwise? I don't care. What does the Bible say? If 10,000 fall at my left and 20,000 at my right, though I will stay the course. Why? Because my affections aren't on what people's opinions are, and my affections are not set on what everybody else is doing or, or my circumstances, my circumstances. Focus and my affection is on my Savior and what He wants for me. So I won't speak the same way that everybody else speaks, and I won't think the same way that everybody else thinks, and I I won't do the things that everybody else does. Why? Because I have a standard set that I must live in the attitude of Christ. It is placing God first in our lives. It is sacrificial living, putting others above us. It's living in forgiveness. Let that marinate like a stew for a minute. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we find because it means that our pride has to fall to either say we're sorry or to allow somebody into those emotional things in our life where we need to forgive them. It's saying I'm gonna decrease sinfulness and increase the presence of God and purpose of God in our lives. It is praying and living daily, not my will be done, but yours, God. Eric, you can throw some worship music on. He calls us this Christmas season like he has done since he has walked on this earth. Come and follow me. Come and follow me. Put your ideas of of a cute baby Jesus in a manger away. Because that night when he was born, for something so powerful, so purposeful. And we, we turned it into a very cute story when really it was meant to change eternity. God, his salvation was born that day. The anointed one. Who was not okay with us just doing whatever we want, but to draw us back to the Father, he said, I need to be Lord. Question this morning is Is he Lord? Does his name hold eternal value in your life, or is he just another name that sometimes slips out as a cuss word? Think about that one Jesus Christ. Every time you proclaim that in a negative way, putting a negative connotation on this proclamation that God is salvation, the anointed one. I hope the next time somebody says that to you, you're going to be like, don't you ever say that again. That holds power, that holds purpose. Nobody runs around and goes, oh, Buddha. Oh, Muhammad. Why? Because none of those names hold power. We want to demean the name of Jesus because it holds power. You think the enemy doesn't know what he's doing? Oh, he wants to get that name so commonplace, so normal, that you don't even realize the power behind the name of Yeshua Christo. God is salvation, the anointed one. That you're just okay with all these other things that attach yourself to it. And I'm telling you today, make him Lord. Make him the Lord of your life, not just the savior, but the one that you will listen to no matter what happens. And that you will train your life and your spirit to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So that you can live out the purpose of God in your life. So that you can show the world a loving and authentic God who wants to pour heaven into their hearts. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we, we lift you up this morning, knowing that you are a good God, but more importantly, that you are a righteous and holy God. And though you want relationship with us, it does not come at pandering to our desire, but giving us an option of a savior. Yeshua. God is salvation. And so God, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season, God, that you would work on our hearts to hear you, hear your word and to hear your purpose and your will for our lives and and what it means to follow you. God, challenge us this season to, to study and to learn ways to fall in love with you more. To get close to your presence, God, the throwing worship music on in the middle of, of, of a trial, throwing worship music on while we're getting ready for the day, setting the tone that my day is set on Jesus, my Savior and my Lord. And that when somebody ticks us off, that God, that we would, we would stop and we would bow and we would bow our hearts in prayer even if we can't close our eyes, even if we can't get into all the prayer closet, that God, that our spirit would stop for a moment from pause and say, God, I, I need you right now. Be my Savior and my Lord. So I don't say something or do something that's out of line with your will. God, help us, give us your attitude, the mindset of Christ, so that we can show people your purpose and to show people your love and to show how authentically good you are. And I pray that we would go and we would change the world, not because of us, but because of the God in us. We love you. We praise you. Give you glory. And I pray life change over each and every person that is here this morning. That we would carry the mantle of the name of Jesus Christ. God, our salvation, the anointed one. Into our workplaces, into our families, into Walmart, into our community, into all the places that we would go, we would carry your presence and we would live life accordingly as a follower of you, not just a churchgoer. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.